Hi, and welcome to the West Visalia Audio Podcast. Each message is designed to help you grow and inspire you to take action. Please take a moment to hit the subscribe button, and don't be shy to drop us a message if you have a question. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Well, good morning. It is good to see everyone that is here this morning. It's good to see some unfamiliar faces. We're glad that you're here with us. You are our honored guest, and I know that uh, many of our members, because being Labor Day weekend, are, are frequenting some other churches as well in different places, visiting family, friends, and on vacation. We're glad that they're offering those places encouragement, too. Um, a lot of neat things going on here at the West Society Church of Christ, and with our online presence, with our activities, with our classes, a lot of big things happening, and we're excited about that. Uh, I know right now, even as we um, gather here this morning, I was able to pull up on my phone and look at our live stream. I know we have several people tuning in on our live stream, too, this morning. And one of the benefits of technology is we're able to take the message of Jesus that we are preaching here and preaching in different places in our life and put it out there to thousands, even potentially millions of people uh, on the web. So one of the things we're trying to do is build uh, a library of content with pictures and things like that. So that's why we're taking some more pictures and things because there's a great opportunity, a door of opportunity that God has opened to us to get the message of Jesus out there to people all over the world. Because what's neat about it is I'm able to go on our website and things like that and see where the traffic is coming from, where people are at that are viewing our content and material. It's not all in Visalia. It's not all in the United States, but there's people all over different countries, countries where Christianity isn't even welcomed that are viewing our, our message. So that means maybe somebody in, in China who's not able to meet with the church is able to experience the worship or the lesson of a church online through the message that we're getting out there. So be excited that you're a part of that. It's kind of neat to know that, hey, a group of 200 people in Central California are able to take a message worldwide. That, that's pretty awesome. We live in a great time when it comes to spreading the gospel. As for upcoming events, let me remind everybody about uh, our event tonight. We normally have small groups on Sunday nights at different homes and even here. We're going to bring all the groups together tonight in the fellowship hall at 6 p.m. Um, that time is correct. I know the video I put out online apparently was wrong. I've been worshiping here a long time and I don't know what time we meet. You all should just get here early and we'd always make it. But anyway, this time is correct. 6 p.m. is when we're going to be coming together. Tonight, we'll have a potluck dinner, so bring food to share. We'll spend time studying God's Word, you know, and hanging out and call it an evening after that. Also got our Ladies' Day coming up, September the 18th. I know uh, Marty is, is getting all sorts of stuff going for that and all of her team with that. But Ladies' Day is September the 18th, so get geared up for that. And then after that, we have our Youth Forum, October 9th and the 10th, which we're titling Radical Faith. So a lot of neat things happening here at the West Visalia Church of Christ. Well, this morning, as we begin, I want you to go back in your mind, and some of you were around during this time, some of you weren't, but all of you are probably familiar with it, and that's Disneyland, okay? Disneyland, whether you've been there or not, you've all heard of Disneyland. Well, when Disneyland was being built, Walt Disney kind of had a hard time kind of getting some funding and things like that. And one of the things that he did to get people on board with the idea of an amusement park, a theme park like that, because there wasn't anything like Disneyland really before at that kind of scale, was is that during the evenings, maybe once a week, he would go on TV and show the world through television the you know, what's going on with the building and construction of Disneyland? 
how, what kind of progress they're making. Nod your head if you were around and ever watched that on TV. Okay, so some of you were there when this happened. I've been able to watch it, you know, in the, you know, obviously that's been rerun and all of that. But what Walt Disney would do is he would go on TV and talk about, here's where Tomorrowland's going to be. And over here will be a rocket ship. And over here is Adventureland, where you can experience the adventure of an African safari. And he would tell the viewers about what to expect when Disneyland opened. And, and it caught on big time. People enjoyed watching that. They enjoyed watching the building of the park, so much so that on opening day when they expected a crowd of this size, they, they over, you know, had way more than they could ever imagine of people coming in, storming through the castle with kids, running to experience this park. And it wasn't so much just because of the attractions there. It's because people bought into the story. They loved the story. I remember um, hearing my mom talk about why she always considered like Walt Disney one of her grandfathers because he would come on TV and, and he would talk to them like they're part of the family. People felt connected to the story. And this came up in my mind last week. On Disney Plus, there's a, a little mini series called Behind the Attraction. And they talk about the story of different attractions at Disneyland. I don't normally watch hour-long programs about building something. I don't like, hey, here's the story of the Visalia Convention Center. That doesn't interest me so much. If you work at the convention center, I'm sure it's fine. But I watched these videos of behind the attraction at Disneyland, and it drew me in. It drew me in not so much because of the attraction itself, but because of the people that made it. The controversy about, would this work? The new technology that had to be developed. And I found myself drawn to the story. So much so that many people that go to Disneyland will tell you the reason they go there is not because of the rides. There's better rides at Magic Mountain, okay? But Disneyland has a story that it's telling. And when you go into that park, you feel like you're part of the story, that it's made for you, that you know all about it, and that's why it has those feelings of nostalgia, connection, and all of that. There's power in storytelling. In fact, so much so that now there's whole seminars and workshops that businesses can take in order to what they call story brand. You don't just tell people about your brand, but you connect them to it through the story of your brand. Motivational speaker Tony Robbins said this. He said, stories are one of the most powerful tools you can use to engage and connect with your audience. The power of a single story goes far beyond simply relaying facts and data and can be a highly effective tool. He goes on to say, stories emotionalize information. See, when I, when I watch the story behind the attraction of the Haunted Mansion, I'm watching it. I'm getting engaged in it. And when it finally comes to fruition, I felt a sense of satisfaction like I was one of the Imagineers that made it, even though I've never been, you know, part of that. I felt connected to the story. It emotionalizes information. They give color and depth to otherwise bland material, and they allow people to connect with the message in a more deeper and meaningful way. I came across another article on the power of stories. Here's what this author said. He said, we are as a species addicted to story. Even when the body goes to sleep, the mind stays up all night telling itself stories. I thought that was kind of a neat way of looking at it. We like stories so much that even when we're sleeping, our brain tells us stories. 
Why is this so big? Why, why does this matter? See, stories, and here's the point I want us to get across this morning. Stories make us feel like we're part of something bigger than ourselves. So let me ask the question then this morning. What's your story? What's your story? If someone sat down and said, hey, tell me about yourself, what would be the story that you tell them? What if they asked you, hey, what's the story of your faith? What's the story of how you became a Christian? Tell me how you were saved. Tell me about how you grew to this point in your Christian walk. What would be the story that you would tell? How would you articulate it? Did you come from a background of, of violence to a background of peace? Did you come from a background of, of, of immorality, but now, uh, now you're living a life of purity? What's your story? See, telling our story to people gives others hope that they can change theirs. Think about it. Telling our story gives people hope that they can change their story. Let me prove that to you this morning. Open up your Bibles to the book of Acts. We're going to get back into our sermon series on the book of Acts that we titled Upside Down. We took a break from it last month as we dealt with some different topical lessons and some various Old Testament passages. What I want us to do is we go back into the book of Acts. We're going to look at a story that was told. Now, when I use the word story, I know sometimes that seems, well, that means make-believe. No, stories aren't make-believe. Some are, like fantasy stories or those kinds of things, but fairy tales. But when I talk about telling a story, I'm talking about telling real life the way things are and getting people to connect to it. In the book of Acts, now if you're new to the Bible, let me back up for a second and let you know where we're at. The Bible's divided up into two big parts. You've got an Old Testament and a New Testament. The Old Testament tells about all the people before Jesus, basically. Primarily, it focuses on the family of Abraham. They're called the Israelites. Once you get to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell the story of Jesus, how he lived, how he preached, how he performed miracles, how he died, how he was buried, how he rose again, and then how he ascended into heaven. The book of Acts picks up where Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John leave off because the book of Acts is about what did Jesus' disciples, his early followers do after he ascended into heaven. Well, they went out and they preached the gospel. They made Christians or they you know, converted people. They planted churches. And the book of Acts tells that story. One of the preachers that's mentioned in the book of Acts is a man by the name of Paul. And we're in a section now where Paul is out preaching and not a lot of people like it. So let's read. Acts chapter 21, starting in verse 27. It says, when the seven days were almost over, kind of a day of purification, it says the Jews from Asia, upon seeing him in the temple, began to stir up all the crowd and laid hands on him. So Paul has been preaching and people didn't like that. Because when someone goes out there and preaches that you need to repent, that Caesar isn't Lord, and that these Jewish religious leaders are wrong, a lot of people didn't like that. Okay, they considered that controversial, and it made them angry. So Paul is out there preaching, and the crowd of people come around, they attack Paul, they lay hands on Paul, and they cry out, men of Israel, come to our aid. This is the man who preaches to all men everywhere against our people and the law in this place. And besides, he has even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. So a multitude of people gather around Paul. They grab him, and they call for others to help them. They go, let's get this guy. This guy, Paul, he's preaching a message telling us to not follow the old law, the Old Testament. And not only that, they said, this man is bringing Greeks, Gentiles, into the temple. Now, you might be thinking, well, what's the big deal? Well, if you're a Jewish person, that was a big deal. 
You don't bring an outsider into the temple. It's very much for Jewish people only. There's a lot of prejudices in that society. And for Paul to be welcoming to Greeks, which he was, he preached the gospel to everyone, Jew and Greek, it didn't matter. He's bringing Greeks into the temple. Well, at least that's the accusation. They go, we have to get this guy. We find out in verse 30 that it says the city was provoked and all the people rushed together, taking hold of Paul, and they dragged him out of the temple and immediately the doors were shut. This is an aggressive act. They grab him, they drag him out of the temple, they slam the door shut. What are they going to do? They're going to try to kill him. They want to destroy him. They want to hurt him. Verse 31, while they were seeking to kill him, a report came up to the commander of the Roman cohort that Jerusalem was in confusion. Now, we talked about this a little bit this morning in Bible class. The Romans were occupying this area at this time. They controlled Judea. They let the Jews operate as their own people and enforce their own religious laws. But one thing that Romans didn't like was, you know, chaos and insurrection and riots. They said, we will control you and leave you alone as long as you don't cause a problem. <gasps> but if there's a problem here, we're going to intervene. So now there's an angry mob about to kill a guy. That's a problem. That's when you get the higher-up police involved. So the mob is about to try to kill Paul. But the word gets to a Roman commander that is there, and he runs on in there to where Paul is at. And in verse 32, it says, At once he took along some soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. Now, this is the real law here, because these other people, these are like Jewish religious leaders. They had their own kind of you know, enforcers and all of that, but it's not the Roman army. The Roman army coming in, you got the commandos coming in now. So they come on in there to stop them. So the Romans are stopping these Jewish religious leaders at this place from killing Paul. They come on in there. And when they run down to them, they saw the when the people saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. So they were already beating him. It wasn't just, hey, let's get him out here and let's think about killing him. They were in the process of jumping him till he dies. That's what they're trying to do to this guy. What did he do wrong? Oh, he just preached the gospel. But you know what? Christians still today all over the world face persecution. Paul did here. So they try to, they're trying to kill him. The commanders come up. The commanders stop the crowd from beating him, and they start talking to him. And then in verse 37, Paul talks to him. They're about to take him into the barracks, and he said to the commander, now I picture a beaten down Paul. He's already been punched. He's already been beat up. So this is a guy that's bleeding, that's bruised. His lip is probably swollen. His eye is busted open. But he stops on the way to the barracks there, and he talks to these people, and he talks about who he is. In verse 39, Paul said, I am a Jew of Tarsus of Sicilia, a citizen of no insignificant city, and I beg you, allow me to speak to the people. So before they, Paul goes away, he says, just, just give me a chance to talk to the people, the people that were trying to kill him. He doesn't say, get me out of there, shoot those people. He doesn't do that, arrest them, no. He says, just, just let me speak. Paul is being beat up. Roman army comes in and stops him from getting beat up. And now he asks the Roman commanders, wait, wait, wait. Give me a chance to speak. Verse 40, they gave him permission. 
God is working in this somehow. Because that doesn't seem like the norm to me, that they would let him do that. Because a, a riot is about to occur, but yet they give Paul a chance to talk. So when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the stairs, motioned to the people with his hand, and there was a great hush, and he began to speak to them in Aramaic, the, the Hebrew dialect. So he gets up there, and he begins to talk. They tried to kill him. He's preserved by the Roman army. So he gets up, and now he's given a chance to talk to the very people that wanted to kill him, people, the same people that probably rejected Jesus. He has a chance to talk to them. What does he do? He tells his story. He gets up there, and he tells the individuals there that wanted to hurt him. He doesn't rebuke them and go, how dare you think that you could kill me? Don't you know that I am a servant of the Most High God? Did I have the power to, to do miracles? All this? No, he didn't do that. He got up there and he told his story. Let's look at his story that he told them. Acts chapter 22. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense in which I now offer to you, which is neat. He calls his story his defense. It, it's the idea of an apology or apologetics is kind of the word we use even today, but basically he's giving a defense to the accusations against him, and he gets up, and here's what he tells them. He goes, I'm a Jew just like them, right? Born in Tarsus of Sicilia, bought up in this city, educated under Gamaliel, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God just as you all are today. He goes, look, I'm like you guys. He connects with them with his story. He says, hey, I'm born in the same city you're from. I was educated at some of the same schools that you want to send your kids to. He goes, I studied under Gamaliel. That's like a fine university back then. He goes, I was a strict keeper of all these Jewish customs and laws. His story, as he starts off, he says, look, I'm from a strong and influential Jewish background, just like those people. And don't we like stories like that? If you came from the wrong side of town and, and then you meet somebody else who came from your same neighborhood and now they're successful, don't you automatically like their story because they came from the same place you did and now they're different. You feel a connection because you're from the same place. Paul says, I'm from the same place that you are. And he says, but I changed. Verse 4, he says, I persecuted this way to death, binding and putting both men and women in the prison. Paul says, yeah, I am from where you're from, and you know what? I'm a lot like you. I used to kill Christians. I used to persecute them. I would put them into prison. Paul says, I'm from that same kind of background. I'm a Jew. I'm from Jerusalem, and I used to persecute Christians. That's a story that's compelling. You know, there's some groups of people that I can't relate to. I didn't come from, you know, a background uh, of gang violence or things like that. But my buddy Jovan down there in Bakersfield, who grew up in Bay Area gang culture, he can relate to those people and say, hey, I'm a lot like you. I was in that same neighborhood. I've been in those same fights. I know that same drama. Paul is from that same place, had that same background. He says, as also the high priest and all the council and elders can testify, and then he talks about the letters that were bringing to him that you know, support who he was. He goes, the facts are there, I persecuted Christians. But then he goes on and he tells them, but something happened to me. And we won't read over through of it, but I'll sum it up for you. Paul says, I was on my way to Damascus, 
I was on my way to continue persecuting Christians, and on my way to Damascus, all of a sudden, there was a light around me. The Lord spoke to me. He goes, the Lord Jesus spoke to me, and in verse 8, he told me that he was Jesus the Nazarene, right after saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So Saul had, or Paul had, a religious experience here where Jesus came to him and told him, look, you are persecuting me. See, Paul didn't realize that. He thought he was just shutting down a false religion. He didn't realize that he was actually persecuting God by persecuting Christians. He realized his fault. He is struck blind, and he's told to go on into Damascus, and there he'll be told what to do. And after this happens, he is sent, in verse 12, to a believer named Ananias. That's Paul's story. Let's keep reading it. Verse 12, Acts chapter 22. And a certain Ananias, a man who was devout by the standard of the law and well spoken of by all the Jews, lived there. And he came to me, standing near to me, and said, Brother Saul, Saul later became Paul, if you didn't know that. Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very time, I looked up. So Paul, at this time Saul, a persecutor of Christians, connects with Jesus. Jesus tells him to go on in and meet this guy named Ananias. Ananias is a Christian, and the Christian man welcomes in the persecutor into his home and, and helps him recover. He says, receive your sight, and God heals him, and his sight comes back. And in verse 14, Ananias tells Paul that God had a plan for him. Don't you want to hear that? If you're coming from a different background, don't you want to be told that God has something big planned for you? That's what Ananias does for Paul. He tells Paul, he says, here's God's plan for you. The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear an utterance from his mouth and you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and what you have heard. He says, you're going to go out there and you're going to be a preacher. I remember the first time someone told me that I could be a preacher. That stuck with me. Wow, there's a purpose? I could do that? Ananias tells Paul, hey, God's got a plan for you. You're going to be a witness, and you're going to get out there, and you're going to tell everybody about what you have seen and what you have heard. Ananias then asks him a question in verse 16. He says, why are you waiting? Basically, hey, what are you waiting for? Come on, join the team. He says, get up, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on his name. Paul was baptized after learning about Jesus, hearing about God's plan. He's baptized. His sins are washed away. Now he is a child of God. And after that, God comes to him and tells him to leave Jerusalem. He says, look, people are going to try to kill you here. You need to leave here, but I got a big job for you, Paul. Your job is to go out there and preach to the Gentiles. Think about that whole turnaround that happened here. Here you have a Jewish man from the higher up society in Jerusalem, good education, used to kill Christians or be part of at least their killing, is converted, he's commissioned, and now he's going to the Gentiles to preach to them. That's his story. Remember, the people were blaming him. Like, how dare you bring a Gentile into the temple? And Paul says, this is what? I was called to do. Paul told them his story. Now, if you read ahead, you'll find out that not everybody responded favorably to the story. Now, that happens. 
You tell your story, not everybody is going to connect with it. Not everybody is going to like it. But you know what? We read the story of Paul's conversion today. Approximately 2,000 years later, we read that story, we hear that story, and we connect to it. Because stories make us feel like we're part of something bigger than ourselves. Think about it. When you hear Paul's story, isn't some of that our story? In a sense, there's something in that story that you can connect to. Maybe you connect to a different part than I do. But that's the power of storytelling. Something in it we connect to. One of the characters is like us. One of the experiences is like ours. All of a sudden, Paul tells his story, and Paul's story becomes Cliff's story. Paul's story becomes your story. So let's ask the question again. What's your story? If someone said, all right, you have a chance to speak to these people. Here's, here's a, an assembly of a 1,000 people. Here's the one Christian. You're a Christian, aren't you? Tell them your story. Tell them about Jesus, or what do you want them to know? What would you do? <laughs> Off the cuff even, what would you do? Most of us would probably have to start with our story because that's what we know. So Paul got up there, and he told his story. What story would you tell? What would you tell somebody who wants to know about you and why you are who you are today? Why you're following this Jesus today? What happened? What would you tell them? What would your story contain? Would it contain conviction about, man, I just realized that I was wrong and I needed to change and I was convicted by life experiences that God is real and I needed to follow him? Maybe your story would be a story of conviction. Maybe your story would be a story of forgiveness. Maybe what you would emphasize in your story was all the sins you struggled with and working to overcome. And your story was about how you were forgiven for that. About how God took away that sin. About how God washed that away. Maybe that would be the story that you would tell. See, some people I talk to, they talk about how convicted they are. Other people I talk to talk about how forgiven they are. Both are accurate, but both are a different story. Maybe you would emphasize the conversion of it. Maybe that's what's compelling to you. You tell a story about, man, I, I was in this Bible study and it just made sense and I had to confess Jesus as Lord and just like Paul, I was baptized. Maybe that's what you emphasize in your story. Maybe what you emphasize in your story is the hardship that came because you want to connect with people and let them know that it's real out there. You say, hey, I became a Christian and it was still hard. My family re rejected me. I got persecuted in the place I was at. I had to change my job because that job was immoral, and now I lost money. Maybe that's the story you tell. That's a real story. Tell it. Maybe you tell the story of rejection, of how once you start professing faith in Jesus Christ, some of your relationships ended because they rejected you because they reject Jesus. Maybe your story, though, would be about hope and purpose, and I think all of them would, that even though, however, the story you tell what, it'd probably end with the fact that we have hope in Jesus Christ, that now our life has purpose. What story would you tell? See, we all have a story. Paul got up there and told his. Stories are powerful because they allow us to connect to something greater than ourselves. That's why my favorite thing to preach is the interactions of Jesus with people, those narratives, because I'm reading a story about what happened and I see myself in it. I see myself in the story of Paul. When you tell me your stories, I see myself in those stories too. 
stories help us connect to something bigger than ourselves. So what's the point for us today? What's the one lesson that Cliff's trying to get across to the church this morning? Go and tell your story. That's it. Go and tell your story. Because if you tell the story right, and you emphasize the true things that really matter, the story that you will tell will actually be his story, the story of Jesus. Go tell your story. Go go tell his story, the story of Jesus and how he saved you. The lesson is yours this morning. There's been a song that was selected. We'll sing that song here in just a moment. But if you do have a need this morning, maybe you need to talk to somebody. Maybe you want to change your story so it ends with hope, so it ends with purpose. We want to help you. I'll be up front for a little while. And, of course, after services, you can talk to any of us in the foyer. We'll be glad to talk to you and help you, pray with you any way that we can. But right now, let's all stand and sing the song that was selected. Thanks again for listening to West Visalia Audio. We hope these messages have helped you grow and inspired you to take action. Be sure to check in each week for more on-the-go content or visit our YouTube channel to watch the live video. Thanks for participating and God bless. Thank you.